Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. This is the GM Shuffle. What's been bubbling is he can't get his star players to play basketball. He can't get the fans to know when they go to the stadium they're going to see the best players because they're going to get a lot of load management. So he's trying to create a way to alleviate that problem. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. Welcome to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. I'm your host, Femi Abebefe. As always, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcast. Our producer, Elliot Bowman, back with us on the ones and twos, back from vacation. I'm back from vacation. The gang is all back together as we head towards training camp here in a couple of weeks and football season right around the corner. Yeah, and everybody wants to know, Femi, while you were there in Minnesota in the land of lakes, uh, as you were having your summer vacation, if you finish The Sopranos. I mean, we are waiting. You're overdue. Your envelope's light. There's no question about that. You're paying a tax, and it's going to go up. But we're, we're anxiously awaiting to see how progress was made. I mean, it's a five-hour flight or a four-hour flight. You had at least, well, three hours one way, mm-hmm. so it's six hours. You have plenty of time. Well, you know, I don't pay for the in-flight Wi-Fi, so I wasn't able oh. to fire it up on the HBO Max, or Max, excuse me, is what it's called now. I wasn't able to fire it you up on You don't have to pay for the Wi-Fi. You could download <laughs> it right to your phone. I didn't do that. So I can report that the Sopranos this week, it will be done. MLB All-Star okay. Week is here. There's no games until Friday or so. Summer League, I don't think Wembenyama is going to play the rest of Summer League, so there's nothing to really watch there. I mean, all the star guys. So I I think this is a great week to go ahead and finish it. This is the week that you do something like binge a TV show, and I only have a couple seasons left, so seasons five, season six, done by the next time we do the pod. All right. Well, you know, your tax rate's going up to 3.5%. We'll send Furio over to you like he did when he went over that massage place and the guy <laughs> wasn't paying up on his number, you yeah. know, and he ransacked it in there. So, you know, this is what's coming. This is what Furio will do yeah. to you. So we'll see how this goes. Well, as long as Furio doesn't go see Carmela, I think we're all good. There. <laughs> <laughs> we're all good in that regard. But we have a fun podcast here on deck. Uh, coming up a little bit later on, we have our NBA informant who will be joining us, Mr. Yes. X. We'll talk all things association. I'm so, excited for this. That's right. going to be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, we're we're working on a Mr. X in football as well. We thought we had one. We got to get that back. Uh, you know, this is someone involved in the league who uh, has a lot of knowledge on background and and like most good informants, he doesn't want to. He wants to be a witness protection. He wants to be a guest of the government. And we're gonna we're gonna honor that guest of the government, and we'll see what he's got to say based on what he's hearing internally in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to Mr. X. You know, we'll sit there like we like JFK by the Washington Monument, and we'll talk. And, you know, why come up with a fake name? We'll just call him Mr. X. Yeah, there we go. I'm sure you're going to ask Mr. X about the NBA Cup, the in-season tournament. That the uh, Oh, I've the... got a lot of thoughts on the <laughs> NBA Cup. I, I'll save that for our next block. I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts about that. All yeah. Right. All right, well, let's get your thoughts, though, on the NFL, because there has been some news, despite it being the slow time of the year, right before training camp, there has been news about two of the marquee free agents who are still available out on the open market. And that starts with DeAndre Hopkins. Now, this is according to ESPN. Mike Reese does a terrific job covering the New England Patriots. And he reported that Hopkins is kind of in limbo right now, waiting for another team to join the conversation. Because right now, he's reporting that Hopkins has offers from both the New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans. But he wants another team to get into the mix to maybe bring that value up. Because we all know that he's probably looking for that Odell Beckham Jr. money. But what's the latest here on Hopkins? And do you think that we get something solved within now in training camp? He might get another team involved, but I doubt if he's going to get another team that's going to jack the market. I think one thing now is not competition for players. There's basically a platform and a payroll that you can pay. So team will play, pay this, and this other team will pay that. And I don't think you're going to move New England off their number. I don't think you're going to move Tennessee. Maybe you could move Tennessee off their number. The issue here really is, as he enters the, the 2023 season, you know, he missed seven games in, t- in 2021. He, you know, he, had, he only played in 10. Last year, he only played in nine. So he's played mm-hmm. in 19 games over two years. He is going to be 31, Femi. And I, and I think you have to really kind of go back and study all the older receivers that have had, you know, that have come through and, have struggled once they've turned 30. You know, it's not an easy – I mean, we got Jerry Rice, who's sensational, right? Yeah, and yeah, you know, Tim Brown was great. You know, but the, those guys are outliers, right? Mm-hmm. And and so you're concerned about it. And, and you can go through the data. Like, let's take, you know, Demarius Thomas, when he turned 31 uh, – you know, he was coming off a 59-catch season with 600, almost 700 yards, and he had five touchdowns. And and, the, and it was over with for him. And then, you you know, you look at other guys in the same category at 31 years old. Eric Decker was 31, and he had 54 catches for, you know, 563 yards and only one touchdown. So, you know, to me, you're, you're, you're what are you paying for? He's, not a, he's no longer going to be the same guy. I mean, remember, this is a receiver that has over his career, his seven, his 10-year career has scored touchdowns, doubled the touchdowns three times. And, and look, I think he's a fabulous eye-hand coordination receiver. He's always going to be crowded. But you're never getting explosive plays from him. You're going to get first downs. Last year he had 35 first downs in nine games. The year before that, he had 32 first downs in 10 games. So, you know, his best season, he had, he, you know, his best season, he had 83 first downs. And that was in 2015. That was long ago and far away. So the, the the comparison that I've kind of been thinking about, and it's not a direct one-to-one comparison because the body types are a little bit different, but can he be an Anquan Bolden and like the second act that Anquan Bolden had in his career? Because I go back to 2013, Bolden 
His age 33 season, 85 catches, 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns. Now, that was in that San Francisco offense there with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick and those guys. I believe that was Colin Kaepernick's season, I believe, in 2013. But in 2014, Bolden then followed that up with 83 catches and 1,000 yards. And he was never known for being a guy that's running away from anybody. Probably a little bit more physical than DeAndre Hopkins. Yes. But I think at the catch point, Hopkins is probably the better player there. So can he maybe slide into that slot role that you've talked about and maybe become kind of that big slot guy that Bolden was at the end of his career. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what he has to be. And, you know, I don't think he's ever been a guy that's been a, a great yards after the catch receiver, Hopkins. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, when you go back through and look at his long plays and, you know, what he's been able to do, as long as play last year was 33 yards, the year before it was 55. I think to me, you know, and his yards per target, that's what I think really came, was concerning to most people in the league is last year it was just at 7.5. The year before it was almost at 9. So he's he's dropped. Now a lot of that could be the quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of that could be the fact that you're playing with Trace McSorley or you're playing with, you know, uh, uh, Colt McCoy, McCoy, those guys. So, But I don't think he's that Bolden type player because he's not as physical and he's going to be able to. Plus you got to be concerned about the more hits he takes, is he going to hold up? Yeah, no, that's a fair a fair point to make because last year he was only played the nine game because I believe it was a six game suspension that he had yep. for the PEDs there, but he missed a couple of games though due to injury. So yeah, I mean he's typically been durable, but that's been playing on the outside when he was younger. Now that he's on the wrong side of thirty for a wide receiver, we'll see if he can go ahead and stay healthy if he has to go to that slot role there. Do you you, you think that we get this third team that gets into the fray here, or is it just going to come down to New England or Tennessee and he's pretty much waiting till training camp to sign? Oh, I think there's more than one, two teams in it. I just don't think the third team's going to pay. I mean, I could see Buffalo being in it. I could see Kansas City being in it. I could see any team that wants to get a bargain for a slot receiver in it, but I don't think they're going to get this, the, get the market to drive it up. You know, and I think he's going to have to rely on a receiver getting injured or a team becoming desperate. I think the only team he'll get more money out of will be Tennessee because Tennessee certainly could use him. They need him. They don't have enough skill, enough. Ex they don't have enough explosiveness offensively. They certainly could use them. Yeah, and Mike Reese is reporting that the Titans have been quote more aggressive to this point. So yeah. that goes in line with what you've been saying that Tennessee could be the team that has the urgency to go ahead and sign him there. Uh, if you had your best guess, do you think he ends up in Tennessee, or does he go to New England, yeah. or even Tennessee is where he goes? My guess is it's going to be Tennessee because okay. I think Tennessee will pay. I think I think Tennessee will stretch a little bit here. You know, at least give Tannehill a reliable converter of first downs and get him in the slot and utilize him. Uh, Burks, well, you know, we, Burks was the guy that was supposed to replace A.J. Brown. I mean, mm -hmm. he hasn't done that yet. So I think that would help them. Look, the one thing about Hopkins, and I, I think this is really important, Hopkins can go to another team, and if he's not the number one receiver, this certainly will help him. Mm. Whereas if he becomes the guy they double, that's not going to really make him as effective as he needs to be. Yeah, uh, I don't think you want him as your wide receiver one right now, even though I mean, he's had a terrific career. But, uh, you know, guys, once you start to age at that position, it gets a little bit more difficult to be the primary pass catcher in an offense. Uh, Dalvin Cook, though, his agent has been talking, and Dalvin Cook reportedly, this from Jeff Darlington of ESPN, is, quote, not willing to accept an offer made by the Miami Dolphins. Now, that is his yeah. hometown. We know he's from South Florida. Everybody linked the Dolphins to Dalvin Cook the minute he was released by the Minnesota Vikings. Denver was never really in the mix, but that was a team that was talked about for Dalvin Cook services. It sounds like the New York Jets are gaining momentum for Dalvin Cook services. So it appears he's going to go to the AFC East, either the Dolphins or the Jets here. Kind of what's the latest on Cook? Well, I mean, I think also Mike Reese mentioned that the Patriots yeah. are in this yeah. too, and I think the Patriots are in it, you know. 
I, I think they are in it. I mean, look, Miami's situation is, I, I think, you know, they drafted the Achan, is that how you say his name? De- the, the, Devon Achan, the kid yeah, from yeah. Texas I think it's a, a chain, a Devin a chain, a I chain. believe. Yeah. A Devin a chain. I'll have to do homework on round. that. He's, and he's lightning fast, all right? He's explosive. They've got Wilson, you know, there. They've got also got Morset, the running back from San Francisco. I mean, this is a team that, that was 31st in the league of rushing attempts. I mean, Cook would make them a better team. There's no question about that. But they've got the cap room, but I don't know if they've got the willingness to to break. When you use a third-round pick on a guy, do you want to overload that? Mm. Don't You certainly want to see what he can bring to the table. I think I think Miami wants them for the right price, and if Miami's not not going to move off that price, I think New England would be a great compliment to uh, St- Stevenson, and I think mm-hmm. in the Jets he'd be a great compliment to Brees Hall, assuming where Brees Hall is and playing with Aaron Rodgers. I would assume would be really enticing. So, look, I don't think Cooks at the end of it, but here's the reality: Miles Sanders and and, and uh, the the kid from Chicago yeah, last year, Montgomery made yeah. six. Right around six million each, right? Mm-hmm. And so Cook thinks he's going to get nine. Now I think he's a nine million to a ten million dollar player, but is there that money out there? Is someone willing to give him a two year deal at eighteen million over two? We'll see. I think that's the hard part. And look, let's face it. You know, there's no hometown discounts, right? You just got to be able to take what, what's out there. You got to go to the team that's willing to pay. And if you're Dalvin Cook, you'll make enough money you can charter a plane to come home. Do you think that – because you said that you think Cook and Brees Hall would complement each other. Doesn't it feel like they sort of do the same things there, can be pass no. catchers out of the back, even though they're a little bit different? Well, I, I think they – you know, I think, I think Cook can be the Aaron Jones for Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Brees Hall also – I mean, I feel like he could play that role as well. I mean, he's coming the, off the, the ACL you, The more versatile, the better you are, right? I mean – Yeah. No, that's, that's definitely – the truth there so we'll see if the new york jets the new england patriots or maybe it's the miami dolphins somebody should put a product prop up at DraftKings. we'll get our buddies at DraftKings say dalvin cook to sign to the afc east or another division and we'll see what the market is on that we'll talk some more nfl as get to the nba on the other side as well here we're going to take a quick break this is the gm shuffle with michael lombardi All right, anytime you're on the golf course, you always hear the phrase, hit it long and hit it straight. Well, as somebody who's a novice to the game of golf, a new person, I wanted to make sure I had the best equipment possible. So, as a novice golfer, I went and hit up our friends over at PXG because they have an all-new driver called the Black Ops. I mean, my man Chris over in Henderson has hooked me up with a phenomenal driver that's built to my game. My new game that doesn't really do much of anything on the course, but it has what I need in terms of the club head speed and the kind of grip that I need to go out there and be the best to my ability. I mean, this is music to ears to any golfer, whether you're a novice like myself or if you've been playing the game for decades. The PXG Black Ops driver is a breakthrough in driver technology. It's a complete and total victory in golf club engineering unlike anything you've ever seen before. Black Op drivers are adjustable to deliver a combined MOI of 10,000 plus for unreal forgiveness. That's just ridiculously high. So what you got to do Go check out the PXG Black Ops Driver. You'll be as impressed with it as I am. Learn more and get free shipping on all equipment at pxg.com slash gmshuffle and use code gmshuffle at checkout. That's pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle for free shipping on all equipment, pxg.com slash gmshuffle, code gmshuffle. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. 
All right, the football stuff is obviously still in limbo right now. Training camp a couple days away, 15 days to be exact, but who's counting? Uh, but right now we do have a lot going on in the association, the NBA, Michael. And obviously we're a football podcast, but we both love basketball. We're basketball fans. We're football junkies. Basketball yep. fans, I think, is a great way to describe us here. And this past weekend, the NBA unveiled the format for the NBA Cup, the first ever, the annual in-season tournament, which will tip off later on this November with the championship being December 9th here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada at the T-Mobile Arena. But what are your thoughts on this NBA Cup and kind of this thing that's been bubbling in the league office for about a decade plus bubbling. now? <laughs> I mean, look, Femi, bubbling my ass. I mean, look, Silver's done it's nothing bubbling. <laughs> to bubbling, right. What's been bubbling is he can't get his star players to play basketball. He can't mm. get the fans to know when they go to the stadium they're going to see the best players because they're going to get a lot of load management. So he's trying to create a way to alleviate that problem. So he put the rule in in the CBA, 65 games minimum to qualify. Great rule. Mm -hmm. Love it. Now he's turned into Artie Bucco and Charmaine, and he wants to have the two-for-one specials. Like this is what it is. It's a two-for-one special with Artie Bucco. He about to have Artie come out there. And talk to the staff and tell them, here's what we're going to do. I mean, like, what does, it, what does it mean if you win this cup? Great. I'm happy the players each get it, who win the team, they get a half a million dollars. They deserve it. Wonderful. I think that's great. But the reality here is there's always cause and effect to everything. The cause of this is because Silver refuses to stand up for the integrity of the league and demand that the players play. Because they're getting paid for 82 games, Right. Mm -hmm. They're getting paid for that. Nobody's paying for 65. And then he's got a real issue. I mean, last year, the Super Bowl in the NFL drew 115 million people. The finals, the best final game drew 13 million. It's the first time 100 million more people watched the Super Bowl than watched an NBA final. That, that, that gap has widened. Mm. And the four of the last five years, the NBA ratings have gone down on the finals. So Why? Well, people don't pay attention in November and December because they're not playing. I mean, Wilt Chamberlain played every game. I think he played – like, people would go to the state. They knew they were going to watch Wilt. They knew mm -hmm. they were going to watch Moses. They knew they were going to watch Jordan. They knew they were going to watch Jerry West. They knew they were going to watch Bird and Magic and all that. Now they go – I mean, you you go to the Clippers game. You think Kawhi's playing or not? No, no clue. No. So, Silver's trying to, without demanding, he's trying to do the committee thing. Oh, let's do this play. And we've been brewing about this idea all along. It's bullshit. I mean, like at some point, I know the worldwide leader won't cover this, but at some point, the ratings and the money they're getting from the advertisers are going to diminish the value. I mean, there's, I mean, they're selling. I mean, Michael Jordan just sold. The guy in Milwaukee sold, right? Mm -hmm. Now they're making great profit. I don't dispute that. But somebody's got to get the league. I love basketball. Mm -hmm. I love basketball. But when you don't know who's playing in a game, how do you love the sport? This is just a two-for-one special at Artie Bucco's Vesuvio. Yeah, the, the load management stuff has become incredibly frustrating. And this has been we're, – we're on like a decade or so of load management. This isn't just like a four- to five-year thing here. Like it's kind of been going for a decade. And the San Antonio Spurs were probably the first team to do it when they had those older veterans with Duncan, Ginobili, Parker kind of on their last legs. And that's when 
the late David Stern, who was the commissioner at the time, fined the San Antonio Spurs about a half million dollars when all three of those guys sat out a NBA, a TNT game, I believe, on a Thursday night against Miami. It was supposed to be sort of like a finals rematch, and then Popovich sat all the Spurs guys, and David Stern like lost his, not lose his mind, but he was pissed, because and rightfully so, because that was a marquee game that a lot of fans were looking forward to, and all of a sudden, you see the Spurs backup guys, and we have not seen anything like that since. My guess is that I think the owners are like, hey, you better not fine us for sitting these guys because we're trying to make sure our guys are healthy for the playoffs so we can go try to win a title in May and June or so. But you do need the product to still be healthy in November and December and January and all that time because, like you mentioned, we don't know who's going to play these games. I mean, you you won't know until about 90 minutes before tip-off who's going to play because guys can be doubtful, then upgraded to questionable, then downgraded to out. Like It's like, what the hell's going on? And this is, I guess, is kind of Adam Silver's way to kindly circumvent all the load management problems that he's had. Yeah, and I, and I promise you there'll be low management in this because I don't think the players are going to give a crap about this. It means meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. I mean, they're going to get an extra half a million dollars. I mean, those guys are making, you know, I mean, we they just paid uh, they just paid uh, these guys in free agency. They're making $20 million a mm-hmm. year. I mean, I, I, Dalton, uh, the kid from the, 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 uh, uh, the Grizzlies, you know, yeah, no, Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain got De- a bunch ba- of money. No, no, but well, Bain got paid. He deserved yeah. it. But the other kid who just went to Houston. Oh, Dylan Brooks. Uh, yeah, four, Brooks, four yeah, years, Dylan eighty Brooks, million. I mean, they just paid him eighty million. You know, and, yeah. you know, but he's a tough guy and he works hard. Yeah, all right, I get all that. But he does a lot of dumb things at the wrong time, and he made all that money. <laughs> you know, and so for me, it's like okay. If you're not going to get them to, you got to draw fans' interest. You said, "Well, Lombardi, you're wrong." There, everybody was out there at the look at the look at the Las Vegas. You know, everybody went to summer league. It was sold out to see Wemby. Yeah, great. Maybe Wemby will become the Michael Jordan. Maybe he'll create mm-hmm. it where 50 million people watch the NBA Finals. But I'll say this to you: you look at the ratings for women's college basketball compared to the NBA. Women's college basketball is making a movement on them. Yeah, and, and the sport's great, and. I think the real issue is the fact that people just don't know. You could say, well, it's the NBA players' politics. I don't know about that. Like, I can separate your political view from watching the sport. Yeah. Just like I can separate that. To me, I want to watch a sport. I don't really care about anything other than why I want to watch the sport. I want to watch games. I love games. And whatever you believe in, that's your entitlement to. We live in this country. You can do those things. And that's not going to affect me one way or the other. So, But when you don't play, that affects me. That yep. gets me angry. 100%. And I don't know how you do it. Like, I don't know how Steve Ballmer pays, writes checks for Paul George and writes checks for, for, for Kawhi, uh, Kawhi and, and, not, and, not, you know, and not get angry. I mean, I'd be And, and the slow management thing, like, we've accepted this as, okay, that's great for the game. Like, you know, is it really great for the game? No. I mean, when they come off of a low management game, is that game better than the last game? No. I, and, like, I see where they're coming from with, like, oh, we want our guys to be healthy, but, hey, I don't know, man. Like, if the guys aren't playing, that's not good. Like, that's not good. Like, you turn on the game, national television game, you're excited for it in the morning time. I remember it was the game that uh, it was supposed to be the Sixers and the Nuggets. We were going to get the second Embiid versus Jokic game, and everybody was fired up for that game two days leading up, one day leading up, then the morning of the game – and beat is out for for uh, the knee issue or whatever. And it's like, what the hell? Like, we were all waiting for this game between the two MVP candidates, and we're super excited because it was late in the season. The playoffs were on the horizon, and all of a sudden you don't get 
one of the, the the eventual MVP to play in that game. So it's it's really a frustrating deal for the NBA. And I mean, for your point for the summer league stuff and how the exciting that is, and people filling the stands. I mean, you might put Peach Jam out here in Las Vegas, and people would fill the stands for that. People just want to come to Vegas. I don't think that well, has they to want do to come it. and get out. And the yeah. other thing is, it's a great place to have it because everybody wants. It's 115 exactly. degrees. Everybody wants to go sit in the air conditioning. That's why everybody, exactly. when you're in Vegas, go to the Mob Museum. It's a great three hour tour. It's air conditioned. You're gonna love it. You know. People, I mean, yeah. you know. If you want to, you can't sit in the sun that long. Look, I, I think it's Silver's attempt to try to do it without being aggressively doing it. Yeah. It's it's a passive aggressive way. He doesn't oh, want to be an asshole. on this. Like I don't know what this means. Like what is this playing? I mean, I listened to Phil Jackson talk to Rick Rubin about it, and, and Phil Jackson was, you know. He was upset about all the the things that are going on in the league. There's got to be more leadership from the NBA. I mean, we got to get they got to get the kit. They got to get people to want to watch the games. I mean, Christmas Day is going to be a disaster. The NFL is going to blow it up again. Yeah, and you, you have I think you have Eagles Giants on Christmas Day. What, what do you think that market's doing? You think they're watching the Sixers game, or you think they're watching Eagles Giants? I mean, <laughs> look, I get the seasons long. I get if if they eighty two games is what it takes to meet the payroll, then Maybe we should play less games. Maybe they should start the season later. If nobody's watching in November and December, then that's the problem with the product. If you're only watching it because, look, let me ask you this. If there's an NFL game on, I don't give a shit. You know, you guys, everybody can complain. Well, the Thursday night, we all watch the Thursday night Mm -hmm. game, whether we like the game or not. We love football. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to watch Thursday night football. I mean, and, and also, I well, mean, of course you are. It's but are you going to watch? Are you going to watch the the Trailblazers and the Suns on November the twentieth? No, of course you're not. Because no. half the you know the players. Are you going to watch San Antonio if Wemby doesn't play? You know you're absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. You will not catch me watching a Spurs game that doesn't involve Victor Wembanyama. We do have a couple minutes left here. I want to ask you about Victor Wembanyama because uh, 27 points last night, man. I mean, they were, I they were it. saying yeah. it was a, it was saying it was a legacy game for Wembanyama after the debut didn't go as well. But how about the uh, the redemption there for Victor Wembanyama? 27, I 12 rebounds, two blocks. It's so un- I mean, it's so unfair to judge these players yeah. in the summer league. I mean, it, it's not even good. It's not even good basketball. I mean, you know, there's no defense. The poor kids haven't played together. You know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, look, the guy, kid's got incredibly soft hands. He's got great shot. You know, he needs to get his body bigger and stronger. Same thing with Chet Holmgren. I mean, if people say Chet Holmgren gained 15 pounds, fuck, I can't find it. You know, I can gain 15 pounds and I can find it. And him, <laughs> yeah, you can't same. find it. You know? <laughs> I wish I, I had mean, that so, metabolism. <laughs> I, I just, I, I just think to me, look, Wemby looks like he could be really a great player, but give mm. it some time. I mean, why do we got to? Why does he have to be great tomorrow? You know, yeah. why does he have to be great tomorrow? And classic, you know, he played in one game, and now he's not going to play anymore in the summer league. And the kid even admitted he's like had, hasn't played enough basketball. These kids have been traveling and doing other mm-hmm. things besides basketball. It's kind of unfair to judge him this way. You know, it's it's wildly unfair to judge him, and the hype was just out of control in the draft prospect, the the draft uh, lead up there, and all that. Everyone's talking about how he's the greatest prospect ever, yeah. and like he is absolutely like an, an awesome prospect. And if he reaches his potential, we might see something that we've never ever seen before on a basketball court. But just like you said, let the kid develop. These things let, take let time. It's, he's 19 uh, years and old. Maybe he'll play in November, December, and we won't have the Artie Bucco special. I think Artie Bucco should do the tip-off of the first pl- the play-in game, whatever the hell NBA they want to call it. <laughs> yeah, the NBA Cup. Art, it ought to be Artie's pick. He should cater the event. <laughs> what are you going to do when your Sixers end up winning this thing? 
That, that, you know, you kid, man. Give me a break. Come on. We just signed Harold back. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? But I mean, B-Ball Paul's point, coming back. I can't wait to talk to Mr. X. Can Maury play another album other than the Houston Rocket album? I mean, seriously. I'm surprised they didn't try to get Chris Paul back in there. But I think Harden and Chris Paul had a little issue, so maybe that's why he would never bring Chris Paul to the Philadelphia 76ers. But uh, we do have our buddy, Mr. X, our NBA informant, as we're going to go deep within the waters of the association coming up on the other side. This is the GM Shuffle. We're talking a lot of things here in the month of July, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Don't go away here. GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi as we take a quick break. Mr. X on the other side. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. I mean, the second round of the playoffs have been absolutely phenomenal, and if you really like a team, you can bet on them for the futures markets, maybe some conference finals MVPs as the conference finals approach, or how about NBA finals MVP? And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SHUFFLE. That's code SHUFFLE for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, presented by DraftKings and VSIN. Here is Femi Abebefe. All right, welcome back. This is the GM Shuffle. And obviously on this pod, we've been talking a little NBA here over the past couple of weeks because a lot's been going on in the association. We're sort of in a lull time in the NFL training camp a couple weeks away. So we figured to help go deep dive in the association, we'd bring in our NBA informant, none other than Mr. X. Mr. X, thanks for joining us here on the GM Shuffle. How are we doing? Gentlemen, it's my pleasure. How is everybody doing this morning? We are great, Mr. X. And I want to start off. I called the NBA play-in or this cup tournament the Artie Bucco special. Two for one, you know, trying to get people in the building. I think this is a, an attempt by Adam Silver to get players to play in November and December in load management form. What are you, what is you, what are you hearing around the league when it comes to this? Well, you know, the, the line that everybody wants to say with with regards to the playing, it's the best thing ever. It's going to revitalize the game. I think if you get those guys just, you know, out for a couple of cocktails, they'll say it's a waste of fucking time. And, you know, everybody's just, it, it is what it is. It, it's just going to be a regular game. I mean, that money's not really going to mean much to those players. Everybody cares about the playoffs. Nobody gives a shit about the regular season. 
I think that's kind of the fan sentiment. That's obviously the player sentiment, and that's the team sentiment, is that nobody really cares about the regular season, which is unfortunate because this is a game that Michael and I, we love. We love basketball. You know, I grew up watching the NBA. I'm from Seattle. I watched the Seattle Supersonics and all that stuff. Like, this is an awesome sport, but it feels like over the last 10 to 15 years, the regular season has been so devalued that Adam Silver, I mean, it seems like he's kind of grasping at straws, even though that what he should do is probably be a little bit more punitive and try to manage all this load management stuff and maybe start finding some of these teams. Yes, you know, I mean, the, the problem is the money so much these days and they lost all control of it because now the players just run the league. It's not like the NFL where there's no non-guaranteed contracts and you actually have to come to work and earn your paycheck. Now, these players just have, could do basically whatever they want with an inflated salary. So they're trying to re replicate what they do in the ACB in Spain and, you know, and what they do in Italy and some of these uh, um, foreign countries with the cups in the middle of the season, because they really play for it. You know, if you watch anything internationally, those guys are really going after it in that setting, but that's just a different culture. You know, they're, they're growing up on it. The players today, they make so much money before they even do anything that by the time you're going to offer them a half a million or a million, whatever they're going to offer them, with this cup or, you know, with this NBA playing, you know, mid-season tournament, I just don't think there's really going to, I think they'll yuck it up the first year. Mm. You know, there'll probably be a little more, a little more excitement to it. I don't think there's going to be much more excitement than that. You know, we need to tell LeBron James makes about $3 million a fucking hour. You, you think <laughs> he's going to give a fuck about an extra million dollars in his paycheck? Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, did, I mean, one thing I, I would know for sure, David Stern wouldn't do this. Uh, David Stern wouldn't no. have done this. No, absolutely not. He, yeah, but it's a different so, time we live in, Mike. No question. No question about that. So let's talk about this time. Wemby had his big event last night. You know, you, you make a living looking at players. Tell us about <laughs> what you thought. And the other question I have for you is, they say Chet Holmgren gained 15 pounds. I can't find it. Where is it? Uh, it, it's it's in the it's in the media relations director's uh, pocketbook. Is that where it is? You know, I, I can't see it either. But look, summer league is a it's it's perfect that the summer leagues in you know in the desert because you see so many fucking oasises that people overrate, underrate. They they want to make these decisions on these players now based on one game of a fucking circus that no one cares. The, the, the summer league isn't like you're watching a regular game. It's like a D, a G league game on steroids. You know, that's what it is. It's, it's, you can't really evaluate. Look, if you know anything about players and how they develop, you can't really make a call, especially in a guy like that, for at least two or three years. You know, he's going to be fine. He'll be good. But anointing them, the you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, blah, 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 Wilt Chamberlain, Bill Russell, before the guy steps off an NBA court, it's just not fair to anybody. I think that the first game, everyone's expecting to score 50 every night because of what the media's done the last two years pumping this kid up and it, anything he does is going to be a letdown you know he, he was bad the first night physically the second night he just you know obviously last night he played really well and the thing is he's got to make a decision do you want to be Tracy McGrady and score 30 a night and not win or do you want to really be a great player and not make the game difficult with all these difficult shots and I think he sort of settled into it the second night. First night was all 19 dribble isolation moves. The second night, they, they, they you know, cause he's, he hasn't gotten really any coaching in the NBA yet. Mm. You know, Pop's going to say, kid, give it a fucking break with this shit. And, and you got to be playing real basketball here. And it's going to get better down the line. 
but it ain't, it ain't there now. It, it's not there now. It's, it's going to be fine. He's going to be a good player, but he's got to settle into it. An NBA strength program, you know, he'll gain weight. He'll get better along the way. You know, the problem is, can he stay healthy? That's mm. the only thing that's going to be stopping this kid from being a good player. We don't know how good he's going to be. All these guys want to jerk him off. They're like, he's the best player ever. I, I, th- I think you got to pump the brakes on that. Well, I think the cool thing, just from watching the past couple of games of him in the summer league, and it's hard to take anything away, but he seems like he's a pretty unselfish player. Like, he seems like he's willing to pass out of that high post, and and I think that's kind of maybe goes to show his basketball IQ, even though he went out and said, I didn't really know what I was doing out there on the court after the first game, but I thought he played pretty well in the second game. And you mentioned how the media, we've been kind of building him up over these last couple of years. What are people that are actually inside the league saying about Wembenyama? Has the hype been that much from people within the league as well? Or has it just been kind of a media creation trying to make him the next LeBron James, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, et cetera, et cetera? I think because what what the media has become these days, I think a lot of NBA people buy into that bullshit. Mm. And, and and they just they they toe the line. They, they want to say, oh, yeah, he's going to be great. He's going to be great. Then I'm going to be like, why the fuck is he going to be great? Tell me. Like, it's not like when people like you watch Moneyball and, and if you see that famous scene in the movie where they go, oh, he's got, he's got a great face. He's going to hit. It mm-hmm. pops off the fucking bat. And Billy Bean goes, well, if he can hit, why doesn't he hit good? But they can't fucking explain it. They want to give you all that cliche bullshit about this and that, blah, blah, blah. It's great. Well, why is he great? I think some players, the, some people who, some GMs and scouts and people that I really respect will tell me, look, in time, he'll be okay. He'll be good. But it's not fair to do what they're doing with the media on the buildup in this kid because they always want the great one. You know, you, you watch, like, Sonny Vaccaro was always looking for the next Michael Jordan and these shoe companies. They're always looking for the next Jordan, the next Kobe, and they want to pump everything up every year, especially with a kid like this. It's just not fair because no one knows what this kid's going to be. I think some NBA p- people want to say he's going to be good, but it's going to take time. Some jerk-offs that I wouldn't fucking, you know, that, that would coach that, that would coach 92 Dream Team to a bronze medal will tell me, oh, he's fucking great. He's the best ever. You know, he's going to be he's gonna be awesome for our league. And I'm like, like, well, why or how? How do you think that? And they can't, you know, you, you ask them that, they just look at you with a blank stare. But I think some people that I really trust think he's going to be good because of where the game's going of positionless, you know, what they do like is that he could, he does move like somebody who's 6'5", not somebody who's 7'5". You know, he's got... You know, he could move with the ball. He could he could drive it. He could, you know, he could defend. I think what, what they're saying, three things that I think that take away from some league from the people that I trust, he's a great passer. He's a big-time shot blocker. And it seems like he processes the game. Like on the bench, you could tell he's sort of mm-hmm. trying to figure things out. He's not too emotional about it. He's sort of pretty mature. Now everything else is a crapshoot. No one really knows. But I think that those three things, when you take away from this kid, that you, you see those three qualities in them. And I, and I think that's pretty fair. Okay, so put your Joe Cronin cap on here. You're the general manager of the Portland Trailblazers. You know, Dame's come out and used the media to say all he wants to do is go to Miami. What are you hearing behind the scenes in terms of the, avail- the trade and the package that Miami could offer for Dame? So what I've been hearing is that, you know, there's not a lot of respect for the Portland Trailblazers front office about them being able to hold the line and say, fuck no, we're not going to Miami. It's not the best deal for us. We don't want Tyler Hero Robinson in some picks. We want, you know, we want a ton of picks 
or you want a really good player going forward, you know, that's better than Tyler Hero. And I think if you watched in the playoffs that Miami did better, you know, without Tyler Hero than they did with him. So I think that they want to hold off for better players, more package. Now the deal, the deal that's going to be done, and I think they're going to, I think they're going to sort of cave into Miami because again, most of these NBA GMs don't have any balls to stand up and say, wait a minute, we're not doing this. This isn't the best for us. But I think you're going to see that deal from Miami. Um, yeah, I think you're going to see that deal from Miami. So it's probably going to look like Tyler Hero. It's going to be Duncan Robinson because of the salary, maybe even Kyle Lowry to get his number off the off Miami sheet. But because of the fact they lost two players in free agency, Miami, I think they might want to keep Lowry for one more year. Mm-hmm. So it's probably going to be a package of picks, <clears throat> Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. I do believe, in my opinion, you know, that Daryl Morey is going to do everything in his power to acquire Lillard, which might even which might even say a sign and trade for Maxi, maybe Tobias Harris, maybe not, depending on the number. And but the, he'll send Maxi to Portland because he needs he needs quote unquote stars in his team. And he's been he's done that in Houston. So I believe that he's gonna do that. Now does the Portland Trailblazers have the balls enough to to hold off this media rush about I don't know what the rush is for. Dame's got contract for, you know, for multiple years. I don't understand why you know, why, like, they, the, the rush to make a move with this guy. He's got very little leverage in reality. Mm-hmm. The problem is, in this fantasy world of the NBA, that they're going to fall to him. Where, you know, look, he's on the books for 45 this year, 48 next year, 58 in 05, 06, and a player option at 63 in 06, 07. There's no 26, 27. There's no fucking rush here. But because they got no balls these days, they're not going to stand up to this thing and say, wait a minute, we, we don't need to make a deal yesterday. We could wait on this thing. We could wait till next trade deadline if we want to. We could wait till the following year. But the problem is, you know, you could, it's just a script in the NBA since, you know, Carmelo Anthony and Darren Williams did this bullshit 10 years ago, you know, just forcing these teams to make these deals and instead of these teams say, wait a minute, we got no rush. There's no gun to our head right now. We'll wait. But the media rush, the media rush is going to just force this thing into it. And I think that Willard Wilson be in Miami because of, I don't think they have the balls enough to stand up. But I do think that Philly, especially because James Harden opted in was uh, his player option, there's no rush to do anything. In my opinion, what should happen is Willard goes to Philly. They send out Maxi. They then deal James Harden, which, you know, they, they'll – They'll deal James Harden to the Clippers, get Norman Powell, Terrence Mann, and uh, an expiring contract, maybe Marcus Morris, and then now they could just sort of spread their roster out. That's what I think is going to happen, but I think the reality of the NBA is they'll they'll, they'll, they'll cave to Miami. Well, I'm glad you brought up Philadelphia and Daryl Morey in this year because that's been my confusion with this whole Lillard thing from the get-go is that he didn't negotiate a no-trade clause, which if he wanted to really control his destiny, he should have done what Bradley Bill did and get that no-trade clause in the contract. He didn't do that, so the Blazers can give him to anybody. And the fact that, that we haven't really heard about many teams jumping into this, because like you mentioned, he has four years left on his contract. If you trade for him, yep. he can pout and be unhappy, but we all know Damian Lillard loves to play basketball, so come September, October, he's going to report to camp and try to play basketball. Like, I, I'm surprised that we haven't heard of more teams willing to kind of roll the dice and trade for the quote-unquote unhappy player. Look, 
these players, look, they're all upset. Most, most of them are going to be pissy when you trade them to a team they want to go to, right? Mm -hmm. But you talk to the guy and say, look, I know you're unhappy, but look what you have here. Now, look, if you, if you trade him to the fucking Houston Rockets, I think somebody would either prepay for fucking three, three more submarine rides to fucking Titanic than go to, the, go to Houston. <laughs> but, you know, but I think that, I think that, like, look, you're going to a, if you go to a Boston, you go to a Philly, you go to a Miami, those teams have a chance to win the championship. And Dames, I, I knew this was going to happen with the free agency thing. But he's a guy that, really, look, he, he's been loyal to Portland as long as they, he could. And now it's just a typical NBA thing where people are in his ear. You got to go. You got to go. You got to go. And I think he's held out for as long as possible. And he's a competitor. So if he goes, he might be pissy, go to Philly or go to Boston or go somewhere like that. But then he's going to be like, you know what? Let me strap it on. Let's fucking play. And that's what he's going to do. And that's the type of player he is. Yeah. So that's, you got to respect that. And I respect that. And I think that wherever he's going to end up, he's going to be fine. Now, maybe Miami will make a couple of side deals to acquire a few more picks and then throw in the deal to sweeten it. But I, I could see him probably in Miami, to be honest with you. You mentioned the Clippers and Harden. What, what's the word on the street about the Clippers and where are they going to go? We know the Lakers had a really good free agent time and seems like maybe they closed the gap on Denver. We'll see. But what do the Clippers do to close the gap on these teams? Well, the problem is, Mike, now they don't have much money to spend. You know, they spend most of their money with, you know, with George and Leonard, and then they signed a bunch of these guys to these deals. So they, they're really strapped what they can do. I think – You've got value in Norman Powell. You get value in Terrence Mann, uh, where you can move out. You know they got they want to get rid of Marcus Morris. They're they're going to get off Marcus Morris's deal. So you could send out the only thing that they can do, Mike, to to sort of lessen this gap, is to probably deal man a combination of Man Powell and Morris, Man Powell and Covington and sort of get something back. The problem is now you shrink your bench, and as you're seeing with Phoenix, which they're, they're handicapped because of the three guys that they have, now they, they can only sign minimums left. And the thing is, Terrence Mann's better than a minimum. You know, Norman Powell's a very good player, probably a borderline third option in the NBA. I think that they got to keep their bench. They just got to stay healthy. And that's the catch-22 about load management, right? Everybody wants these guys to play, these guys to play, these guys to play, and I want them to play. But the problem is now they get nicked up during the season and they're not available during the playoffs or they're not at full strength. They're like, well, why didn't they fucking rest them? Now, if they rest them, everybody's bitching about them resting them during the season. And, you know, and, the, and then they get in the playoffs healthy and they don't win. We're like, why'd you rest them, man? No one's ever fucking happy these days. <laughs> I could offer somebody $10 million across the fucking street. You can't get 100% of people to get $10 million <laughs> across the street. Why the fuck are we crossing the street? It's a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday. You know, the problem is no, no one's ever happy with everything that you do. I think the Clippers might going to stay in the status quo. They're going to try to keep Leonard and George as healthy as possible. They do have a deep team. They're, they're legitimately nine deep. You know, the Morris thing, he's been up and down. But, I mean, he, you know, Westbrook was decent for them, averaged 15, six, 16 and 6 last year, uh, 16, 8 and 6. So you got, you know, George, Leonard, Zubac, Westbrook, then you get that bench of, you know, Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Mason Plumley. You know, I think they're good enough to compete. They just got to stay healthy, which they, they can't do. 
is is Ty Lue kind of going into sort of a lame duck year? Because I know there was some rumblings about him potentially going to Phoenix before they ended up hiring Frank Vogel. And, and Ty Lue's a really respected head coach. He's won a championship and all that stuff. And, and people kind of applaud him for the in-game and in-series adjustments that he makes. But it feels like we're kind of working towards the end with Ty Lue as a Clippers head coach. Yeah, I think I, I think what Steve Ballmer is going to get very impatient after this year. I, I, I think he's, from what I've heard, he's impatient now. And, you know, I, I think that he is sort of looking around the league and like, what the fuck, I spent all this money, you know, which isn't a lot of money in his world, but there's a lot of money in the real world, in the NBA world about this not getting done. I think front office and coaching staff is definitely, you know, looking over the shoulder a little bit and saying what the fuck's going on, you know they've got it you got to win and that's that's the unfortunate part of it you know nobody's got a lifetime contract like popovich these days that could go eight years in a row without winning a fucking playoff game but a series and still keep their job the teams don't operate like that anymore so yeah i think there's definitely some um i think there's definitely some rumblings about some changes if they don't if they don't go ahead and win and look they've got the roster for it i think if they were all healthy going into the playoffs they would probably be one of the favorites to win it last year and they basically run out of back with most of the team. And let's not forget Denver, you know, Denver had some losses in free agency. Miami had some losses in free agency. You know, so the, the same teams that, you know, Phoenix is restacked. I think you're gonna see a little bit of balance, you know, shift of power here in, in, in neither conference. And I think that, you know, the Clippers sort of stayed status quo. Some people will say, well, that's not progressive enough. I think that look, they've they've got their unit intact. All these guys have played together. They got a good coach. I think that you know, I, I think they're done making moves unless it's going to be you know trade deadline stuff. James Harden is definitely something on the table. Mm. You know, Norman Powell, Terrence Mann, and, a, and a, an expiring deal. I don't know if that's going to be done. I think if Daryl, but Daryl's got such an, a, a like a, a love affair for Harden. I don't think he he deals him. I think the smart move, even if you do get a Dame Dillon Philly, that you deal hard and, and get more assets to make you to make you know if you could keep Tobias Harris in Philly, you know you might like him, you might not like him, but if you keep him in Philly, you trade out Harden, you get back Man Powell and an expiring deal either Morris or Covington, you get deeper and you get you're, you're not as good with star power without Harden, but you stretch it out with more talent, uh, you know collectively, and I think with with the Clippers, they want more of a superstar that they could probably get some minimum guys, even if they even if they make that deal, you can get Harden, and then you could also get one or two minimum players to fill in the gaps. So, you know, it's, that, that, that's, where I, that's where I see things going. If Maury doesn't trade Harden, now he's over the luxury tack. He just, re, you know, they match the offer with Danny Ainge from uh, Utah for Paul Reed. So how does he get under the tax? Does he have to trade Harden to get under the tax? That's question one. Question two would be, what is the fact? Where do you think? How far can the Oklahoma City Thunder go next year, based on all the talent that they've collected? My, I, I don't see, I don't see a path where Morey can do that. You know, unless you trade, unless they trade Harden or somebody into cap room. You know, and, and not get anything back. It's not. I don't know the, the rules. Any, I, I listen to you guys religiously, and, and you do a great job explaining the cap and how teams will go under. You know, in, in, in the off season, you can't really do that in the NBA unless you trade somebody in the cap room. So a, a team like say the Houston Rockets before they signed all those players, they had they had a bunch of cap room. If you would have traded Harden in the cap room, not get anything back, 
Uh, that's the only way you can really take money off your sheet. So I don't see him making a deal that's going to really do that anytime soon. So that that's the problem there. Um, as far as Oklahoma City, I think they're one of the bet, best built teams in basketball for the long term. You know, it's not going to happen right away. Um, I think Giddy Alexander. You know, I think if if Holmgren could stay healthy, he'll he'll do some things. Jalen Williams. They've got a really interesting roster. They've got you know they've got a really good young coach. And I think that they could, you know, they can make a, a run for things. I think they're sort of the Orlando Magic of the West. I would say, you know, I would say they're a better team collectively. And obviously with all the picks they've stockpiled, um, I, I think that they're, they're going to be good. Last year finishing 10th at 40 and 42. I definitely think that they can leapfrog teams like Minnesota. I think they could leapfrog teams like New Orleans because I don't see Zion being healthy again. Uh, you don't know what's going to happen with the Lakers, so I don't know what's going to happen there. The Phoenix Suns, you don't know because of health where they're going to be. But I, I do see the Oklahoma City probably falling into that, you know, six to nine range uh, next year. I would say even six to eight, you know, range, you know, in the West. But going back to Philly, Mike, did you read up on the Paul Reed deal with uh, with Utah of what they did? It was pretty interesting. So uh, Daryl Morey tries to outsmart everybody in every deal that he makes, right? So back in the day, um, when he had cap room in Houston, in New York, in New York and New Orleans, New Orleans had Omar Asic, a big kid from Turkey, young kid that was good, and he was coming up in free agency. And then the New York, the Knicks had Jeremy Lin, the Linsanity deal. And they were both short contract guys that had to get renegotiated under, I I believe the Gilbert Arenas rule, which basically means that you can't you can only sign them to a certain amount of money. So what Daryl Morey did is it was the first team team to ever do this. He, he backloaded the contract where it was like a five million, five million, fourteen million back then. Right now it's about the minimum salary. Back then it was a lot of money. So it, it sort of forced the Knicks to not being able to re-sign Win in New Orleans, not to be able to sign Omar Osage. Well, the agent to Omar Osich was Justin Sinek, um, who's now the GM of the Utah Jazz. So what Danny right. Ainge and Justin Sinek did with Paul Reed was he put in a, a provision in his contract. So what the provision was, it's, fucking, it's pretty fucking funny, that if Paul Reed's contract right now you know, sits at uh, 7 million, 7.3 the first year, 7.6 and $8 million. I don't think they even wanted Paul Reed. I think they wanted to fuck with Daryl, to be honest with you. So the first year is guaranteed at 7.3. The last two years of it are not guaranteed. But they put a provision in. If you make the semifinals, if Utah would have made the, the semifinals in the Western Conference, the two years get guaranteed. We all know that Daryl doesn't like Paul Reed that much. He's not a three-point shooter. It doesn't really fit the mold of what they're doing. I think he's a good player. I think he's definitely a, a rotation player, borderline starter in the league, you know, going forward. So what happens is Utah has no fucking chance, you know, to, to make the semifinals next year. So that, that would have been a non-guaranteed deal. But to match the offer sheet, Philly now, that's retroactive. So now... If they make the semifinals, which they should be able to do, that deal gets on a sheet for seven million and eight million. So he got fucked by his own rule ten years <laughs> that he did about ten years ago. I think it's a pretty good move by by Utah Jazz and Danny Ainge. <laughs> and, and, and they can't trade him because he has the trade option, correct? 
Yeah, so well, you can't trade them until I believe you can't trade them until December. If they want to trade them off the move, they can't. They can't trade them until December. I think December fifteenth is the date. That's a that those poison pills and the restricted free agent contracts that get put in are just that, that that's a hilarious story there. Uh, I want to ask you, Mr. X, about Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics because free agency has been open for a little while and we still have yet to see the super max extension for Jalen Brown. What's going on there? Are the Celtics trying to work something back channel here or is this just kind of a formality and he's going to eventually get his money and stay in Boston? Well, I think I think it's going to depend on what they're going to try to do. Like, you know, they're going to keep themselves open for a Dame Lillard trade to the to the last second. I think that obviously they see Jalen Brown as a, a a big asset for them going forward. The problem is right now, like they're not forced to do anything. They can extend them when they want to extend them. I with the max contract under what I think, and again, I'm not the brightest bulb in the fucking tree, um, which doesn't say a lot for you guys calling me on this, but. <laughs> I think that you can't, you cannot sign and trade a supermax deal. So if they make, the, if they extend them now, they can't trade them or do a sign and trade. So they have to wait to see if they're going to get a Lillard deal done, and then if they get a Lillard deal done, then they they can ship them out with this 31 million. If he signs that supermax contract, that he can't do that. So. I think they're going to sniff that out until as late as they can. If they figure that that um, Will doesn't want to come, they'll supermax him, and, and which is going to really, you know, be interesting with their cap space going forward. But uh, they see him as a valued player. But I think that they're they're really hungry for a championship in Boston and mm-hmm. they feel as though probably Lillard could do that more than Brown but if they can't get a Lillard deal done then just extend Brown and then try to trade him you know in the future but you know or just keep them going forward I think they want to see what's going to go on with this roster Boston's got a very interesting you know interesting offseason you know with the trade with Porzingis you know basically for Marcus Smart you know Porzingis gives them offense um it makes they make them a little bigger but they lose that, you know, they sort of lose that toughness with, you know, Grant Williams and Marcus Smart. They don't really, they don't really replace those two with. They don't really have a defender on the roster besides maybe Derek White a little bit. And Jalen Brown's a decent defender, but not that hard, gritty, you know, type guy. You know, sort of like, you know, both Smart and Williams probably should have been playing for the Miami Hurricanes back in the '80s. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, tough yeah. guy, gritty. So they lose that. But, you know, their roster is still pretty good. The major move they made is Porzingis makes them better offensively. But again, A, does he stay healthy, which he's had a problem. I think he's averaged about 50-plus games over the last four years. You know, does he stay healthy, and you know, going forward? Are they tough enough come playoff time to really, you know, guard up these really, you know, like the Giannis of the world, the Jimmy Butler's of the world, you know, um, you know, going forward? So you got to figure that out. What do you think of the Pacers offseason? Uh, I mean, I think that it was interesting. They didn't overspend. They didn't really do. They didn't really do anything out of out of sort of character there, right? Like you know, Bruce Brown, two years, forty five million, um, was a good deal. They sort of add to them, but they've got an interesting team, right? They got a really good coach. Um, you know, they got a really good coach. They've got a decent cap sheet. Look, nobody really wants to go to Indiana in, in free agency, right? And it's 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 more got to do with like them not winning and that them not having a chance to win a championship 
and them sort of where they are in Indiana, right? No one really wants to go there unless they start building a winner. So I think they're really building through Halliburton, you know, uh, Matherin. You know, those two guys are sort of their guys going forward. They like Miles Turner. He's sort of a system guy. You know, you know, Bruce Brown gives them that toughness. Buddy Hill's on the trading block. You know, they're probably going to try to move off of him. Uh, they pick up uh, Obi Toppin. You know, Obi's good. He's a solid player. Um, you know, not not the most coachable guy in the world. Ask Tibbs in, in New York about that. But um, I thought they were solid. Uh, I, 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 would, I would probably give them like a, a B plus considering they didn't really overspend. They got a tough guy that was a rotation, a rotation player, you know, to a championship team. They added to that. They've, they've got decent shooting. You know, they just got to keep on building through the draft and developing players. Uh, we're up against it here a little bit on the time here, Mr. Rex, but the last question for me has to do with John Morant, the 25 game suspension that he got last month there from the NBA uh, how did he only get 25 games is my question, because I mean, I thought that the NBA uh, was very upset after seeing a second video of him uh, brandishing a weapon on Instagram live. I mean, is, is that just kind of the, 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 the league not wanting to kind of put a black eye on one of its uh, American born stars here? Or what are your thoughts on the 25 game suspension from John Morant? Yeah, I, th I think it was pretty weak, to be honest with you. I, I think if it's a first time offense that look, I, I think. If you're going to cry about guns like the NBA has, like, you know, gun laws and things, if, you want, if you're really going to be outspoken about that, then when something happens in your wheelhouse, I think you got to take care of it to set precedent. And they didn't. You know, the first first time I thought they were light on them last, you know, during the, you know, during the late in the season, I thought they were light on them there. And I thought they were light on them here. And I, think, I don't think they want any backlash from the Players Association. I don't think they want to, you know, drag this out. Of course, the media is going to side with John Morant. They're not going to side with them. And there's going to be a lot of, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on them not to make a move like that. I think the precedent should have been a season. And I, I think, look, 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 I know that he didn't really technically break laws or rules, but it's just the look of it. And I think that if you're really going to, you know, brand yourself as an integrity league doing right for society, that you're going to tell your players, look, I, I know this ain't a rule. This is our fucking rule. You know, the, you, look, you you wear the shield. Most, 99.9% you know, .9 of the players that play in this league are going to be fucking forgotten four years after they're fucking retired. That league, that shield is going to be remembered for the for eternity. So you don't, you're not, you don't, you represent the shield and we're going to fucking, you know, and you're embarrassing it right now. Not only did he do it one time, he did it twice. You don't really give a fuck, and it's going to be a third time. Let's be honest. I mean, come on. It is, a, you know, it is what it is. So I think you have to go heavy and say, look, and, and just get everybody together and like, look, guns are not. We don't want guns in your social media. We don't want, you know, whatever you do in your private life away from everything is one thing. We don't want to see it on social media. We don't want to see that. But the league is very player friendly, player association friendly. And they didn't want they didn't want to start it. I, I think it was a weak precedent to be honest going forward with that. Yeah, well, Mr. X, we really appreciate it. And we hope to have you back. Once Daryl Morey makes his big trades, we could rekindle all that <laughs> and see how this all plays out uh, when there is a big trade. So we appreciate well, you, Mr. X. Well, well, guys, from what I said today. Now I'm going to be holding my breath every time I fucking stop my car, fellas. So you better check me on this. I don't want to be out of there. Uh, you gotta be, you know, if I got to eat egg noodles and fucking ketchup in the desert, I will, but you better protect me. This is the GM Shuffle it. Witness Protection Program here, so you're all good. You're right the now. guest of the government. And next week I want to be on the lamb. Fuck those football coaches. I want to be the guy yeah. on the lamb. 
I love it. (laughs) That is this edition of the GM Shuffle Podcast. Thank you to our producer, Elliot Bowman, with us on the ones and twos. Thank you to DraftKings. Thank you to VEASAN. Thank you to our NBA informant, Mr. X. Thank you to you, Michael, and I will talk to you on Thursday. Thank you, everybody. 